This CBF podcast conversation is presented to you by Fuller Seminary. Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry offers a practice-focused theology education. Study online or on campus and learn from Fuller seasoned scholar practitioners and apply what you're learning to your own context. Whatever your ministry goals, Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry will help you take the next steps in your vocation. For more information, visit fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. That's fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work and renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. Hey podcast listeners, this is your host, Andy Hale. We are thrilled to bring you another year of CBF's podcast with a cavalcade of brilliant guests such as Father Tom Reese, Washington Post's Sarah Pulliam Bailey, Mark Charles, Soong Chen Ra, and Matthew Paul Turner. And that's just skimming the surface of the first few months. As you know, last fall, we launched the Podcast Listener Support Project. This is an opportunity for you to connect closer with the podcast and premier guest. By becoming a podcast supporter, you can join me on an interview with premier guests such as Walter Brueggemann, Sarah Bessie, and Brian McLaren. So check out cbf.net backslash podcast support. And now, on to our conversation. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Matthew Paul Turner. Matthew is a writer, a journalist, and a speaker. He's written five best-selling books, including When I Pray for You, When God Made You, and When God Made Light. He's also written for USA Today, The Washington Post, National Geographic, and Relevant. Matthew, thank you for joining the conversation. It's good to be here, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. Now, um, I guess the first question, uh, probably the most difficult, is um, Is there anything you need to say to Chiefs fans? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, uh, yes, they, they definitely they beat our they they whipped our titans of you know back to at least the second half and i um i i hope they i wish them luck honestly i hope they do well i i think it's kind of cool to see their uh the team that hasn't been to the super bowl in like 50 or some odd years um get a chance to go and i hope they do well and and uh beat the 49ers so we'll see I, I wouldn't categorize it as a, as a whooping. Like, they put a whooping on Houston. Houston should be embarrassed and probably shouldn't play yeah. next season. 
that was a whooping. <laughs> the Titans, I mean, it was an exciting team to watch. And, uh, of course, as an Alabama, left-flying Alabama fan, to see Derrick Henry, I feel like that is Alabama's gift to Tennessee since y'all haven't been able to pull a college football team together in the last decade. So we, we're giving yeah. Derrick Henry and hoping <laughs> that he'll carry the Titans. Yeah, well, but I would just – I just would say the the second half of that game just looked – it was sort of frustrating to watch. You know, the, I, I, you know they, they just – once they got their act together, you know, they they roared. I mean, you know, they're good. They, they just are a, a pretty powerful team, so. Well, I think the Titans are America's team because they kicked the Patriots out of the playoffs, you know, so. <laughs> that not that another- is uh, – it's, it's not another year of a, yeah yeah i mean not another year of a competing uh, organization winning a super bowl you know they got caught again uh, videoing as they should so uh all right enough about football tell us tell us a little <laughs> bit more about you oh well you know i i live in nashville tennessee i um am a, a writer and i've been writing now for more than like 15 years i um spent the first half of my writing uh, journey uh, on nonfiction for adults. And I I wrote a memoir about growing up. I I grew up um, in a really conservative segment of the Baptist church. Um, I was an independent fundamental Baptist growing up. And um, like I had Barbies burned in front of me to explain hell. And, and God, so sorry I laughed at that. No, I, I mean, it, it was, I can laugh at it now. I, but I, yeah, no, I, I've had to, I've had to go through some therapy, but it's like, that was my whole growing up experience. Like, cause I, not only did I go to the church, I also went to the private school that the, the church had started and I graduated in a class of four. So when I, went to college, I had a lot of, you know, growing up to do, had a lot of healing to do. um, And most of, most of that, I I didn't know that I had to do. So I had to be, I had to be put in my place a little bit before I was able to kind of get to a place where I could heal and could like relearn all the things that I wanted to relearn or needed to relearn. And so I, um, I, I, I went to school in Nashville um, I, w- I went to Belmont University. I wanted to be the, I, I really, I, I wanted to be the Michael Jackson of Christian music at the time. Now, now I would never say I wanted to be the Michael Jackson of anything, but I mean, I, <laughs> that, at that time it was, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know or uh, believe all the things that happened before, you know, um, with his molestation charges and whatnot. So um, we, uh, I wanted to, be a singer and uh, a pop singer in the Christian music world. And so I came to Nashville and then realized that there were a lot of people who had more talent than I did. And so I decided to do the business side of things. And um, I, you know, graduated and then I came back to uh, Maryland and started working at a, I I started a coffee house. and then I tripped into writing and it was such a weird thing for me to trip into writing because I, um, I wasn't a writer. I did not have a dream of being a writer. I ended up uh, landing a job with crosswalk.com, which was a, which at the time was a very large uh, Christian online space. And I was there, I became there because of my music business degree. I became a uh, music 
an entertainment editor for them. And within nine months, I was contacted by um, CCM Magazine, which was like the leading magazine at the time. I mean, a magazine that I'd like, you know, owned or whatever had in my, you know, received uh, since I was a, a young kid. And, uh, and so I became, I was the editor for that magazine for three and a half years. And after that experience, the one thing that I realized about, you know, the editing job was that I had a, um, while I wasn't a perfect writer, I had a knack for putting myself down on paper. And so it uh, allowed me the opportunity to, to use that and, 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 and go into a writing career. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I've certainly over the years had to like uh, have have a few side jobs um, uh, with, you know, either like a nonprofit or I've done some photography and, and all that stuff. But I mean, I uh, I've mostly been a writer for since 2004. And uh, I yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> Well, I, I do want to go back to something very important um, that you said <laughs> earlier. Um, do you remember, was it like Malibu Barbie or like was Ken involved? <laughs> like, do you remember specifically what Barbies were being burned? Well, you know, I do. And it, and it honestly, I, I use the word Barbie because it would be always, it was always so awkward to explain, over explain. It was actually one of those cheap imitation Barbies that <laughs> some, that he had they had bought it like Dollar General or whatever, and so what happened is that he um, the Sunday school teacher or it was a junior church service, um, and I was in second grade, and the the teacher his name was Mr. Moose and he stood up in front of the class and said, um, "Do you know how hot hell is?" and um, and my joke always is, is that somebody raised their hand and said 666 degrees. And so, <laughs> um, which, um, anyway, he was like, I'm going to show you how hot hell is. And he pulled out a Barbie from a paper bag and, um, pulled a cigarette lighter out of his pocket and, and set Barbie on fire. And like, I mean, the, um, it was like, it was such an ordeal that like it made, uh, it hit the local newspaper, like Baptist Church burns Barbie. But like we were kind of that church known for uh, doing really ridiculous things and uh, ending up in the news. Um, it was that, 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 I mean, I could tell you story after story of just, uh, you know, ridiculous, some sometimes abusive things that, you know, this church would do in the name of God. And it was um so yeah i can i can laugh about it then but i i it it worked i mean i think i got i probably got saved or went through the whole process of getting saved i don't know a dozen times in my childhood i mean it like it was a lot um i like i said i went to the school too which the school the school was almost more um more uh rigid or more a part of my like spiritual upbringing than the church was because the church the school was where all of what the church talked about was mandated by people um and it was you know like we were you know we were a whole bunch of kids being um you know taught by adults and these adults like felt like they were they, they kind of like 
felt like they had like God, they were ordained by God to, you know, bring us up in the word and they did. Um, and so it was, um, yeah, I graduated, uh, I, I, I went through all uh, from first grade. I, I went to kindergarten in public school and then I started in first grade at this Christian school and I graduated. I was the, I was the first class to have gone all 12 years to at that school. Um, yeah. So. Mm. Well, rest in peace, Barbie. <laughs> rest in peace. Yes. I, I've always indeed. loved the, uh, you know, uh, independent Baptist, you know, it's always a, uh, stripped down sanctuary, usually white walls, you know, very wow. low carpet and no iconography with the exception of a cross and the American flag. Um, uh, and the Christian flag. But and yeah. the Christian flag. Yes. That is, right. that is slightly that. lower in, in stature um, yeah. or in height of, of, of the other flag. But uh, so you've come a long way since then uh, because you did some work yeah. <laughs> on Morgan Freeman's The Story of God Project. Tell us more about that experience. I, okay, so I, in the process of becoming a writer, I be, also became a blogger. And from my blogging experience, I ended up going, after I had kids, um, my, I started, I picked up uh, a camera and started really enjoying the um, creative process of taking photography. Um, and I got to kind of practice um, on all of my, you know, I've, I've practiced on all of my kids way too much, but also um, I, I've done a lot of traveling with World Vision uh, as a writer and as a photographer. And so um, when, because of my blogging on, you know, on the topic of religion and a lot of the writing that I've done, um, National Geographic was looking for somebody to uh, be a, a, a kind of like a, a writer or a content um, provider on the story of God, uh, the filming of the first season. And so I kind of like fit all the little, I, I, I had a, a weird resume and it was weird enough to kind of fit what they were looking for. And so I spent 40 some odd days, um, you know, traveling around the world with Morgan Freeman and his team. And it was, it was the coolest, most um, just, it was, eye-opening and fun and I like I've never enjoyed a work experience more it I you know we uh of course it was you know National Geographic and so like the access that we were granted because of their presence on the on, on the uh the, the the set it was just incredible so I got to like see things that I would never have been able to see um, as just a regular tourist. And um, I got to, you know, I went to Egypt and um, really just, I got to talk to like leading theologians, leading scholars, leading uh, archeologists, uh, um, you know, from various backgrounds um, and, and sort of had a, uh, you know, the, uh, the ability to, to kind of see my the faith that I grew up right next to the faith the faith that other people grew up with and and I got to see those differences and their likenesses like firsthand and real up close and and of course like Morgan Freeman was there and I became really um 
like he uh i became really close with his daughter who um does is morgan freeman's stylist and like i still keep in touch with her but like morgan and i became really friends i had to interview him every day so um like you know almost every day during that trip i i had to sit down and have a conversation with him about what he <laughs> what he liked and didn't like about that, that, that you know the day and it was um Dude, it was cool. Like I, I, I and 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 the the series was really like I to get to see how all of that was put together was just so cool. Um, I have never met a group of people more dedicated, more excited, more um, uh, you know, more hardworking uh, like than the filmmakers who went into uh, making that um that that documentary. Like they, I. Uh, I was blown away by how intentional they were about capturing imagery and wanting to do and present the best possible information as they possibly could and like the research and the um the fact checking and just all of it was really a uh, just a wonderful cool experience i uh, like it was the you know um the the only part that stunk was being away from my family for that long but it was just uh the rest of it was just really really cool you know a lot of us wish that morgan freeman can narrate our lives let alone 40 <laughs> days of our lives uh mm. so i imagine that was pretty pretty remarkable experience you know as, as a person who i i loved that series um I, I felt a genuine sense of uh, authenticity coming from him as he was exploring mm -hmm. these these deep questions. As I mean, as a person who was there, I mean, it, is that pretty much who he is and what you, what you get yeah, from him? He, he is one of he is very well read. Very like he is. Um, he's he was way more informed and a part of the process than I would have ever thought going into it. Not that I would have expected anything less, but I, I, he was definitely more than just the host. And so he would, um, when, when they were, when he was given a spot that he had to read, he would like read it over and do like, he'd be making edits to it prior to, um, uh, prior to, you know, reciting it or, you know, doing the first cut. And, and he's it, it, it's in, it's incredible because like he um he has a genuine ability to be in front of the camera and make that person that he is interacting with feel like they are the only person alive and that he is right there and it is a it's a gift um so it was he not only just certainly there were oh, some things or some uh, stories that he was way more into than other stories. Um, but like, I, <laughs> I will say this, I, um, you know, Morgan at the time was, I guess, 81, 81, um, I think. And so I think he was born in 1938. So a couple of years ago. So maybe he was just, maybe just 80. And like, he would be on set for, I mean, there's some, day, some days we filmed for 12 to 16 hours, okay? And certainly he wasn't like busy during that whole time, but he was, he would be like taking a cat nap and he'd, I'd watch him and I'd see him like doze off and he'd be, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, asleep. 
and they would say, hey, Morgan, we, we need you on the set. And he, within seconds, he would, be, he would become Morgan Freeman and, 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 and being, being the Morgan Freeman that we have all grown up absolutely adoring. Um, the other thing that was just fascinating to watch was to be around that kind of celebrity. I'd ne- I mean, certainly, I have being in Nashville and being a writer, I've been around a little bit of celebrity, but I'd never um, encountered the level of celebrity that Morgan Freeman commands. And it did, it did not matter where we went. He was not only recognized, he was adored. And everybody who would, you know, come up to him or try to come up to him, um, it was, they, they didn't just want to see him because they recognized him. They had a story or a movie or something that, that had affected them deeply. And it was just, uh, it was really, really cool to see um, the impact that, he, that he'd had um, throughout his career. And, you know, especially considering like he, one of the things he told me was like, I, you know, I really didn't hit any kind of popularity until I was in my 40s. Um, which I, I, I guess I knew, but I didn't really know. And so it was, there was just a lot of things that you get to, you get to see and uh, experience. Uh, and, 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 you know, it, by the end of it, he was, he, like, he was still Morgan Freeman, but he was um, like, he was there. I, I, I don't know. I got to see the human side of him and, and it was just kind of a cool thing. It really was like, I, and I know that, 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 you know, people, uh, Morgan Freeman has that, cool factor for everybody and we just all like there's something about what he brings to a film that we all connect with and it is it, it didn't matter it doesn't matter where we went um it didn't matter like you know men women young old they all looked at him with some sort of like awe this podcast is presented to you by the center for congregational health at the center we believe god has called and empowered congregations to change the world For 25 years, Center consultants, coaches, and educators have been supporting congregations, clergy, and lay leaders as they meet the ongoing challenges of congregational life, including training ministers to manage transition, helping congregations work through polarizing conflict, coaching clergy to discover and utilize their gifts for ministry, and assisting congregations in discerning God's call to future missions and ministry. Center consultants and coaches don't dispense expert advice. Instead, they recognize the uniqueness of each congregation and work to create the space needed for God's people to discern and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Please visit our website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about the center and find the help you need in order to thrive in missions and ministry. Well, it's pretty remarkable for you to work on something like that, which says a lot about your work as a writer um your early career was um was written certainly for an older audience with books um, on relearning jesus america's perception of god uh for ccm magazine um but you've had a shift in the last couple years um you're writing more for for children Uh, tell us about that shift and what your vision is for writing uh to to a, a child audience you know, um, anything, <laughs> I, I, the thing is, anything that I have um, pursued from a, like a professional standpoint, I have sort of like, you know, stumbled into. And I, anything that I have like really 
wanted or tried, I have either like not done well at or didn't, it just didn't, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. And uh, with writing children's books, um, the one type of writing that I did as a kid, like I, I was, I wanted to be a songwriter. And so I remember being, when I was 12, 13, 14, I, I, I almost always had a notebook with me and I was writing down really bad poetry or really terrible, you know, songs. Sometimes I would hear a pop song and I would rewrite it to, <laughs> to add Jesus to it. You know, uh, it was, it was I, <laughs> I was that kid. And so um, I, it was really kind of uh, one of the, the I guess the, th the thing that I learned in that process was I really enjoyed rhyming. And I, after my, uh, my daughter was born, she's my second kid. She's my middle, my middle child. And uh, my wife one day looked at me and just said, you know what? Have you ever thought about writing a children's book? And, you know, I mean, I, I, it had crossed my mind, but I had never really given it much thought. Um, it, and it took probably a year of her just like bringing it up and reminding me or saying something to me about it before I decided, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to try to make this happen. And it took me a little while to get into it. And I finally came up with this idea that I wanted to write a book about God making light and trying to like imagine what it was like when light first came in to being and how that light is, can be associated with the light that shines in us, that we are, you know, that, that, uh, that we're supposed to be people of thought and light. And um, I, so I started working on this book. I came up with a, uh, a manuscript that I absolutely loved. I, I, by that time, I had worked with almost every publisher in the faith world. So I did, like, while I knew that this was going to be a different type of book, I thought that at least I would have a opportunity to see it become a reality. And I, my, my agent who was not at the time did not work in children's books at all. Um, and, but he, uh, he liked the manuscript enough to say, you know what, let's, I, I'm going to do this, Matt. And so he sent it out to everyone he knew and, and, and slowly over like a four month time period, we got 11 notes, um, from publishers. All, some of them were no's because of, like they just weren't investing that much into children's literature anymore. Um, some of them were knows that, you know, that involved <laughs> that I was, I was a little bit of too much of a lightning rod. I had a blog at the time that was called Jesus needs a new PR. And so that did not, they didn't feel like that associated with children's literature. And um, so I got 11 notes. Um, and at the time my wife uh, was signing a book deal of her own and she, after that 11th no, it was like four days before Christmas, she looked at me and she was like, we're going to self-publish this and we're going to make them, we're going to make them want to publish this book. And I, uh, I, you know, I laughed, but I was like, oh, hey, okay, we'll try. Um, but so we, we did, we self-published it a year later. Um, we printed 5,000 units and we sold 4,820 of them. And one of the publishers that really had wanted me that my, the editor came back and 
Um, and meanwhile, I had started writing the manuscript for the next book because I was going to self-publish another book. Um, and I started writing this manuscript called When God Made You. And I sent it to uh, my editor now. Um, and she was like, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to do this. Somehow I'm going to make this happen. And two months later, Random House, you know, uh, Random House uh, Kids um, came back and said, yeah, we're going to do it. And my first children's book came out in 2017. And honestly, I, I didn't expect it to turn into um, a, like this, be, like a, for it to be this actual shift um, where I would become a children's book writer. Um, but it has, I've never felt more joy and satisfaction and, um, and purpose in, in my career than this idea of writing um, children's literature and, 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 and writing down rhyming words of, about, about God for kids. Because um, I think in some, on, on one hand, I, I think this, the, the books that I write for kids are a, is, a, is a healing part of, of, of who I am and, of, and what I experience and kind of like redeems, helps me kind of find some redemption in my own story. But I also, it gives me the ability to um, think about how I want to introduce my kids to God and what I want them to know about God. And it, and it empowers me to write things that I want them to, well, I want written on their hearts um that they uh that they can know and learn and believe and i um so yeah it, it has been a like a an, an honor uh to 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 be to find to to be a uh offer words to families that i get letters from i mean families from backgrounds like all all types of backgrounds and they they write me and they tell me that this is you know like one of the very first books that they'd ever read to their kids about God. I've had um, parents write me who have read my book to a child who was, um, who only lived a few weeks. Um, I've had uh, people write me and say that this, uh, the book that uh, when God made you was read to um that they read it to a, a loved one who was in the process of passing away. Like a, a, I had one, one woman write me and she was like, I'm a pastor and I've been um, walking through um, this, uh, walking through death with this 100 year old woman. And she had your book on my, uh, on her nightstand. And she asked me to read it to her. Um, and she, I read it to her three or four times and, you know, the, uh, during the week of her passing. And, and so like, it has been fascinating and beautiful and powerful to see the, um, the impact that a children's book can have. Um, and so, uh, I, I count it a real, um, a real honor. Like it's, I, it's, I, <laughs> uh, it's been, um, it's been a joy. You know, you've, you've written out, and this is now your kind of fourth children's book, and we'll get to the, this new book in just a second. Um, yeah. I wonder, you know, who are some of the children authors that have inspired your work? Well, I mean, I think that I, 
I, um, one of the things that reasons why I read or, or like decided I wanted to write children's books and thought finally decided, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take my, I'll take my wife's idea seriously was because I would read books. Um, you know, I, I like reading, you know, where the wild things are and my kids would just be fascinated by it. And, you know, reading Dr. Seuss and, uh, my kids would absolutely just like want me to keep reading and and some of the Dr. Seuss books are long so I mean so I uh it definitely was a good experience but then anytime I would like try to read something about God I would always find myself either having to edit (laughs) like do a little bit of an edit on what was being presented or it would not keep my kids interest um and so um, I think that I was I, I, I was raised on, you know, Berenstain Bears and Dr. Seuss and where the wild things are and, uh, you know, the, the hungry caterpillar and all, like all the books that, you know, they good night moon and and is and is like weird as good night moon really is when you get down to it, it is such a lovely book to read. <laughs> Like there's just something about like the the cadence and and the the uh, the the words that just make I don't know it makes it less weird when you're reading it to a kid and so I I guess I I, I was just I didn't have like this uh, like uh, absolute love affair with children's books I just um I was just affected by books that everybody else was affected by um and I knew what I liked. And so I, I, what's, I think what is uh, crazy is like the time that I put into these books, like, you know, we're talking like the, I think the shortest book that I've written so far is like 500 words. And like the, uh, the second, um, the longest one is the one that the new one that's coming out and it's just right around a thousand, which is pretty long for a children's book. Um, But you know, it's, we're talking 500 to a thousand words, but like, I mean, I, it took me months, not like months of, you know, daily working on it, but like, it took me, I mean, I worked on it a lot. And before I was able to say, okay, this is where I want it to be. Um, because you know, like it's, you have to work out making it rhyme and you have to like work out the timing and the meter and, and making sure there that the ideas that you want presented there are all there and that you like, and you know that like there's always that what I what I didn't want is like what I always try to avoid is is having that one line where you're just like man he just did not have another word to rhyme with that and so and I and I I guess other people might look at it and think read my work and say oh there's that there's that line that you know he's rhyming that word with that because he just didn't have anything else to rhyme with but I mean I really try to avoid that um and so i and i and i really just want i want books that i i write books that i that that speak to me write words that speak to me i remember when i um i i i uh the one thing that's great about writing a children's book is that you i write a lot of it on my phone um and so i can walk around and so i spend a lot of time in parking lots in 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 grocery store parking lots roaming uh, like, you know, walking in, uh, in circles, like, you know, writing, <laughs> writing stuff and talking to myself. So I, I, I'm sure I look like an idiot, but that's how, that's how the creative process works for me. And so I remember being in, uh, uh, I was in a public, uh, 
parking lot and I had just written some of the words for when God made you. And it was, um, and it goes like this. So be you, fully you, a show-stopping review. Live your life in full color, every tint, every hue. Discover, explore, have faith, but love more. And learn and relearn all that God made you for. And I, like, dude, I had, like, I mean, I had an emotional breakdown right there. <laughs> because those words were as much for me as, they, as I hoped they would be for kids. And so, um, yeah, so I pour a lot of time and energy, and I'm not really answering your question, but like that, there's a lot of time and, and love that goes into every word. Mm. Well, let's talk about this new book, uh, When God Made the World. This is a beautifully penned and wonderfully illustrated fresh take on creation. Mm. You wrote, because when God made the world, God did all that God could to create every detail for our joy and our good. Walk us through the formation of this book. Well, you know, I, um, I when because my first book was called um, God Made Light, which eventually became, that was my, the one, the book that I self-published um, that eventually became When God Made Light. Um, and that was, uh, but there was When God Made You, When God Made Light. And my, um, my publisher, like my editor, like was, you know, we were thinking about like what we were going to, I was going to do next. And, um, and she was like, I think that, what about when God made the world? And so I, you know, tackling a, all of creation in a storybook. Um, the one thing that I, I, I worried about, like, for one thing, it has been done a lot. Um, and so I was, I was concerned about being able to bring something, you know, fre a fresh perspective. And also because, um, because it was built around uh, a story, you know, Genesis one and two, I felt like there would be a lot of people that would um, be pickier about what, uh, what the book was. Um, and, and so like, I, I, I kind of hesitated before I decided, but I was like, if I can bring myself into this process and I can, um, you know, do, do the story justice and do it without, um, and do it full, as, as, you know, as fully as the creative person that I am, I will try. And so I started working on it and like, there was something as soon when I first, like, it took me a while to get into it because it's like, how do you begin? Um, you know, with this idea of God creating the universe. And, and so I borrowed from scripture. And so it's, you know, it starts out as in the very beginning before anything was, before God started doing what it is God does. When all that existed was wide open space, God imagined a universe and began to create. And once I got those four lines, the rest sort of just, like, it really, it was kind of like, you know, it just happened. Like I, I knew I, like, I, I try to avoid many of the cliches. Like I don't, I don't talk about like days and you know, on the, like on the third day, God did this. I, but I, I use scripture as like uh, the story in scripture is the order in which I present the information. Um, and I, uh, and so like, I, and I really try to make it a here and now, like very present, the, um, you know, giving kids and families, not just, this like rhyming details of what God made, but also 
how they, how kids can interact with it um, and how kids, how we are called as people to protect it and, and take care of the world. And so it's, um, I'm, I'm hope, hopeful that, that this will remind families and remind people of faith that, um, that with creation comes responsibility. And, that is, and so often we have negated that responsibility of taking care of the world. Um, and in some cases, Christians don't even identify with that responsibility, and which is um, hopefully my book can play a role in turning that around and changing that because I think that it's, um, it's something that all of us should, you know, if, God, if it was important enough for God to create, then we should take care of what God has created. And so... Well, it's um, it's fascinating that you've written on creation, being that you are right down the road from Dayton, Tennessee, where the Scopes Monkey Trial took place in 1925. Um, any of that, you know, bearing on your mind as you were formulating this this book? <laughs> um, sure. You know what? I um I I just visited Dayton. Uh, I uh, in um, June, ju- last June, last July. I um, I was really good friends with Rachel Held Evan. Um, she was a dear friend of mine, and when she passed away in May, I um, you know she was from Dayton. I went to visit her her husband um, in Dayton and spent the day there and got the tour and went to the you know went to the the museum there and um, certainly uh, I wanted to. I wanted, I, I wanted, like, I, I read a book ages ago called Thank God for Evolution. <laughs> and so I have always, I didn't think that, I for a long time didn't believe that creation and evolution were at odds with each other um, or didn't have to be at odds with each other. Certainly there are things that, you know, I have to take by faith and, um, and, but there's also certain things that happen in the world that I'm, I'm like, you know what, that's probably didn't happen, you know, probably has happened over time or whatever. So there are moments in the book where I, you know, uh, leave room for people to, um, so leave room for science and, uh, and knowledge and things that we learn every day and have to, you know, live in like the realities of the world and how it works. Um, I, I leave room for that. And, you know, there's a moment where I talk about, um, Oh gosh, now I've forgotten the part where I I talk about the the idea that uh, that that God created every living creature to and 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 has uh, planned it to develop and evolve if needed over time. And so I think that um I've ne- like you know as a kid I certainly you know I had I like we used to have this guy who was like the creation guy would come to our church once a year. And he would talk about like the literal, uh, the literal uh, presentation of Genesis. And he would bring these big like imprints of feet. And he would like, he, I remember him telling us that like Adam, he believed that Adam like had 22 inch, 22 inch feet. Like, I mean, he like monstrous feet. Okay. Um, And so it was so like, he made creation so like, 
unbelievable. Um, and I'm hopeful that that I that this book is able to um, offer kids and families just a way of of uh, really honoring the creation story, but also um, also uh, like honoring what we have learned over the years um, and what we what they what they what we learn about in school and and it doesn't have to be in conflict. Those two ideas don't have to be in conflict with each other all the time. Tell us about your illustrator, uh, Jillian Gamble, and, and walk us through the collaborative process of working with an illustrator for a, a children's book. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> um, when I, Jillian, I met Jillian through a, we're in a parenting group together in Facebook and my, we were, the, we were going to try and get David Tatro to once again come back and he illustrated my first two children's books and we hoped that he was, would be able to do the, the fourth book. Um, but he, it just didn't work out from a timing standpoint. So when we decided we had to go so, another route, we started looking around and um, my editor saw a post that Jillian had uh, put, in, put in this Facebook group and she tagged me on it. And I just was, I knew exactly why she tagged me on it. And then I'm just blown away by um, Jillian's uh, creative detail. Like her, um, it's, it's, she has such a whimsical uh, style and just a creative use of light. Um, and when from, I, I reached out to her and she absolutely loved the manuscript and wanted to, you know, wanted to work together. And it's been the best, like, just like, combo work experience like that I've had with an illustrator not, not to say that every I mean basically I didn't have a working relationship with my other illustrators this this is like the first time that we actually worked on something together where we like talked and dreamed about what I wanted and what like what she envisioned and how that would work together um, and so it has been amazing and to see Jillian's process for like you know certainly there are magical moments throughout the book that you know defy reality but also there are you know the, when she was creating like the some of the background um for space like she went and like you know got got photos of like actual space that had been taken by you know like the the the, the telescope and a um and she used that as a as a as a way to create what she wanted the background to be so there was some little bits and pieces of science put into the the creation of the art um and yet it's it's magical and whimsical and and just sort of like a a, a real journey and so like it has been we've just kind of been on the same page the whole time and it's been a joy to work with her she's just a delight she's grew up in Scotland and she lives in the UK and um, she is uh, a, has become a dear friend. And so like, I'm really hopeful. Um, we're, we're actually in the process of working together on a Christmas book now. And so like, I'm really, really honored to have her working on my stuff. And so it's been fun. This book is um, so much of it's about purposefulness and you wrote, uh, mm -hmm. but always remember, because this much is true, God has a purpose for making you, you. 
what message are you trying to convey to your your audience, whether that be the children who are listening to it or or the adults who might be reading it to them? I think that um, all of us are needing. We, um, I think that God like has so often um, been used as a way to hurt people. Um, and I know that with me, you know, coming out of the background that I, 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 I questioned so often my, God's love for me. And I wanted to create literature that empowered people, empowered kids with God's love and God's hope and God's delight um, in who they are uh, and God. And so like, I, I think that there's a, a, there's a little bit of that desire to, to put that in every book. Um, but this one, because we are, I, you know, I, when I get to the part where it's I'm, about the idea of God creating humanity, I, I made a, a decision to say God made people um, and to avoid like the Adam and Eve story or part of that story um, and, and not really avoid it, but just, I wanted to relate to the here and now. This was kind of my way of just bringing it into this, this make it more present, make it more uh, uh, relevant to the lives of families now. And so I, you know, I get to a part where it's like, and God made people, people like you and me, people with souls, people with stories, a global family tree. Um, and so like, I, I have all of this idea of, of what I, or I present all of this idea of, of, of God making people with all different traits and you know, that we're not all alike, but um, we have lots of things that are very much in common. But, um, but then I get to the part where it, you know, where I make it very intentional, the part that you just read, where it's like, hey, that, that God had a purpose for making you, you. And it goes from there to this idea of empowering that individual to play a role in taking care of the world and play a role in bringing hope to places that need hope, play a role in, in, in being a part of God's story here on earth. Because you know, just like, and it goes, the ending of the book is really focuses on this idea of, you know, just like creation presents God's story uh, in so many ways, how we live and how we love presents God's story too. And so um, hopefully that is a message that kids can take home and, and embrace. A story is as only as good as the one that's telling it. So how should storytellers of your book convey the story? <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, I think that every, it's like, I, um, I, I, hopefully it, the, the rhyming nature of the story lends itself to being easily conveyed by anybody, that anyone can kind of like, take this book and and make it their own and in a way um because like you know the best the best kinds of uh bedtime stories are the ones that rhyme and the ones that you know that you've had to read so many times that you know there's a point where you start to memorize it and so it becomes very easy which is kind of helpful at 8 30 at night when you've read your fifth book and you've 
you know, want the kids to go to bed. And, and so like, I hope that I, what I create gives that, you know, isn't just a powerful message or a passionate message, but it's a, a readable, a readable prose that, that um, is easy to kind of understand. And, and certainly I like, I don't avoid bigger words because I think that, you know, books about God should invoke conversation and, and, um, and bring, you know, bring good questions and, and, you know, send things into deeper thought, send, send families into, into conversations that they didn't expect. And um, I mean, that's, for me, that's the kind of the best thing about children's books is, is that they, you know, give me the ability to talk to my kids about things that, you know, that are important, that matter. And so hopefully that book does, this book does that. And so it be, it really, and I'm hopeful that I, that it lends itself to be easily read and that anyone can become a, a good storyteller at least, you know, but certainly um, having a, you know, adding some passion to how you read it certainly helps. <laughs> I say that because uh, I don't know how many times at night I'll read a book to my kids after my wife has also read a book and midway through they always grab it and they're like, uh, daddy, we're going to let mommy finish this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so it sounds like you're working on a uh, Christmas book. Any other projects you want to let us know about? Um, I am working on a Christmas book. Um, I am also working, I'm, I'm co-writing a children's book right now um and i i can't give details about it but that's what that's something that i'm working on um but i and then i'm also working on a um another children's book that uh probably will come out a couple in two years but um but yeah no i'm working on a lot right now like it's uh i've got this book coming out in oh you know uh this week and and then I have the a board book version of When God Made You that releases in summer. And then, then the Christmas book will hit stores in September. And I, I'm like, dude, I, I'm so excited about the Christmas book. I didn't think I'd be excited. Like, it just, you know, I, I felt like uh, my publisher kind of wanted me to like, hey, you think you want to write a Christmas book? And I was like, I don't know. Well, I, like, it, it is it's just this might be my favorite book so i'm really really stoked about it so it's called all the colors of christmas we'll be on the lookout for that and promoting it to our audience if you want to stay connected with matthew check out his website matthewpaulturner.com of course follow him on social media go out and purchase when god made the world wherever books are sold Matthew, thank you for inspiring creative imagination for children of all ages and thank you for inviting us into purposefulness Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. 
For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. Well, that's it. That's our conversation. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites at fuller.edu and healthychurch.org. Check out cbf.net for information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, chaplains, and much more. Oh, and uh, one more thing. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but visit cbf.net backslash podcast support for ways that you can contribute to the CBF podcast conversations and get some pretty cool stuff in return.